This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the Canon Cast. I am Will Chase, joined by Pale Dragon and Elaine Shercliffe. And it was an understatement to say that we woke up to tragic news today, the untimely passing of Matisse Kavlenix, the official cause of death, fireworks, border blast, chest trauma. PD, I'll start with you. I mean, there's really no words that you can really even begin with, but obviously a very unfortunate accident yeah it was um i'm still trying to wrap my head around it to be honest it's hard to believe that it's real it's he was you know just still so young had what i thought to be a a bright future ahead of him and so and you can see that this is really hitting the community hard um there's been a huge outpouring of support online from you know the guys that played with him from guys that played against him from you know the league itself, but this is a this is a huge loss. This has been a you know there've been a lot of low points for the team over the last year or so, but this is this is something different entirely. This is um, this hurts a lot. This is a guy that the players were close to. He was seems like he was always a good uh, positive attitude in the locker room. You could tell guys liked playing in front of him. I know the one thing that came to mind for me was the when he made his NHL debut in Madison Square Garden and got a win against the Rangers uh, while the Jackets were on on a win streak there. He kept that going. And I was watching a clip of the end of that game, and you know he was just mobbed by his teammates on the ice, and everyone had big smiles. They were just so happy for him to have that moment. And you know, and just last week, he was with Elvis at the Mid-Ohio Raceway, and they got to do some off-road racing there and meet a professional driver. And so it's just really hard to believe that, that he's gone. And Elaine, I know that you've you've covered him for many years. You've gotten to talk to him a number of times and get to know him. What what what, uh, what can you say about Matisse as a person? He he was 
a joy to cover. He was always smiling. When, when we first got to interview him, he acted like he didn't know English. And then we were walking down the <laughs> hall next to each other later as I was leaving the arena and he answered the phone and spoke English and had a full conversation. And I stared at him the whole time. And then he was like, oh, hold on and put the person on hold. And then looked at me and was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm going to ask you more questions in the future. Because I now know that you can speak English. Um, so I, um, I can't, I have an allergy, so I can't eat much food in the arena. And the monsters have a table that they put outside of the locker room. It for in between periods as like apples and bananas and stuff on it. And somehow Matisse found out that like the reason why I'd be wandering around the halls in between the second and third period is because I was looking for snacks. <laughs> and one day an <laughs> apple came flying at my face. Um, and it was from him. Luckily I was a catcher. So my instinct was to catch it or else that would have been really bad. And it just became something that he did every once in a while whenever I was down there and he wasn't starting and he was sitting, you know, like sitting on the bench, um, an apple would come flying towards my face so that I would have something to eat to power me through the rest of the rest of the night because he heard about the time that I left Madden's post game presser early because I was hungry. So he didn't want that to ever happen to me again. And then I think my favorite thing is, the fans had these signs for the, the playoffs the one year, and they say my hero is. And a bunch of them put Matisse on it because they were sitting next to him. Um, like on the road, they were sitting right next to the bench, and they would put it up next to him. And he he loved it so much. They took pictures with them. They gave the sign to me, um, and I told him about it. And he's like, oh, now you can put it at your desk at work, and you can think about like – you can think about me and positivity or something like something like really corny, like something like don't worry, like, um, like don't worry about it. Like every time you get stressed, say like, don't worry about it because he knew how stressful my day job is. Um, and so it's sitting on my desk still. I mean, he's just and he knew the game really well. So from a hockey player standpoint, he actually knew the game really well. He could see it well. I I thought he would grow up to be like a like a Brad Tyson how well he knew the game like he would have been a really good coach uh when we were in toronto for the playoffs there was no place for him to sit on the bench so he sat behind this where the zamboni comes in and out on a chair it was like a stool chair and i always mm -hmm. went down like the final five minutes of the game so you don't get stuck in traffic like people traffic and this post game because john madden would be like <laughs> on and off really fast and he saw me standing behind him and he offered his chair to me. And I was like, no, 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 it's fine. And then he said, well, okay, but you can lean against me if your heels get too painful, which I didn't do, but I thought that was sweet. And then he spent the last five minutes breaking down plays with me. Like I didn't even ask him to do that, but he was like, Hey, Hey, look at this. Like Elaine, look at this and look at the way that um, Brad did that. And look at the way that, Justin, I think it was Justin Scott or it might've been Dalby. Like look at the way that they cut across the ice and it caused the defense to do, to give 
Brad more protection. Like it was so amazing to watch his mind work for those five minutes because it was then that I realized that he is young, but the ceiling was so high for him. It was so high. And having a coach like Manny Legacy was only helping it right. Like his ceiling was continuing to raise. Like I, mm-hmm. at this point it felt like he was never going to reach that ceiling because it just kept growing. So, yeah. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned him being such a smart player and that makes a lot of sense because he's maybe someone who didn't have the physical traits that jumped off the page. Um, and obviously he, you know, he was undrafted. He was just an undrafted free agent signed out of the USHL. Um, and you know, it's really hard for any goalie to make it to the NHL because there's only so many spots, you know? And so for the fact that he was able to work up as an undrafted guy and just, you know, move up the system, you know, get his time in Cleveland, get his time in Columbus, take advantage of the opportunities given to him. Um, and I don't know, you know, what his future was going to be in this organization, depending on what moves they made or the expansion draft or whatever. But I, I thought that he could have been on his path to being a, you know, have a, you know, 10 year long career, maybe bouncing around as a, you know, backup for a lot of different teams, but being that kind of guy, that's a reliable backup that teams love to have, you know, like maybe like a, like a James Reimer type, you know, he could have had, and like, again, to have that kind of career in the NHL, so few guys get to have that. And I think he could have, and I think being a smart player, being a hard worker, being a lovable teammate, you know, those are, the kind of things that can extend that as well, even if you are not the most naturally gifted kind of talent out there. Right. And I want to remind people, not only was he undrafted, but he came out of the USHL. He came out of a junior league. I want to say it was Bill Zito and I'm not sure who else, but they found him down there and we're like, let's give this kid a shot. And it was one of the best. Let's give him a shot moves I've seen in a while. I, I remember the first time he played, I was like, who is this kid? (laughs) And he turned, I mean, he was very shaky in the beginning, but he was one of those, once he got a hang of it, he was good. And I think it's always so cute. Like if someone scored on him, he would pat the defense on the butt. Like, (laughs) don't worry about it. Don't worry. And it's no big deal. (laughs) So. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. 
There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. The Blue Jackets made news recently with the hiring of Sylvain Lefebvre. Lefebvre spent the last nine seasons coaching in the AHL and will be joining Brad Larson's staff, who, and he's going to be coaching the defensemen and running, helping run the penalty kill alongside Pascal Vincent, who was also hired as the associate coach and will coach the forwards and running the power play. Both assistants will be on three year deals. Elaine, I'll start with you. Uh, what was your reaction to the Blue Jackets' new coaching staff? And I'll throw this question out for both of you, and we can address this after. But were you guys surprised that they didn't maybe go with maybe a more experienced assistant coach from the from an NHL perspective? Petey and I actually talked about this. Were we taping when we talked about this on my podcast? PD or I can't I don't think so oh man that would have been great content (laughs) uh, at first I was a little leery of um I was a little biased my opinion was biased on Vincent because he was behind the bench when the monsters in the Manitoba Moose had this all-out brawl (laughs) it was very bad It, it was like bench it was like the bench was fighting people on the ice but PD made me he asked me and he was like, but is he good on the power play? And I was like, okay, yeah, he's good on the power play. And Jack Roslevic did really well under him. Uh, he was he kind of would let Jack fly free and do his own thing. And I think that's why he excelled down there. So it's a good it's a good choice. And then Lefebvre, he did not do a good job in Laval when he was with Laval. And so I was confused. And then I was like, wait, he's now with San Diego. And they had the number two penalty kill in the AHL. And then they went into that little playoff thing they were doing just for the Pacific. And part of the reason why they were able to get there and why they were able to excel was because of their defense. So I, and it wasn't just focused on offensive defenders. He is, big on getting stay at home defenders to be better at what they do. So he knows that those defenders have different roles and that you just can't have a team of defenders that score. You have to have defenders who stop the scoring. So that would be nice. That's where it stinks though, because you're like, Oh man, he would be a great coach for David Savard. (laughs) (laughs) He would be such a great coach for David Savard. Well, but, but but what we need now is him to turn the defense we have into the next David Savard. Yes, yes, exactly. But he, uh, I thought, I really, really, really thought though that they were going to pick Trent Vogelhuber for the for an assistant coaching job. I do like that it's not an NHL assistant coach that came here because I feel like the NHL just keeps recycling the same coaches over and over, and they produce the same results, and they're not fantastic results and i think these 
assistant coaches will bring a breath of fresh air to the team, but they also fit in with what we need. They understand how it, what it means to develop players. And since the team is so young, you need coaches that know how to develop players. And Brad Larson knows how to develop players as well. Yeah, I think that that, that is a, a clear message being sent with um, you know three guys with a lot of AHL experience that development is going to be the primary goal with this staff um, and all the coaches are relatively young you know Vincent I think is around Larson's age um, so hopefully that helps them relate to the younger players better they have the experience working with young players also interesting that they are both from Quebec and they're francophone coaches I don't know if that really matters for anything but uh, it makes me excited to see what they can do with Alex Texier perhaps who you know, was doing well on the penalty kill at the end of the season. So Lefebvre could work with him on that. And hopefully Pascal Vincent can get his offensive game going. Yeah. The Lefebvre hiring, I was not a huge fan of because um, I was talking with one of the writers at eyes on the prize, which is the Montreal blog at SB nation. And um, the, their AHL writer did not, you know, just said that their AHL team struggled when yeah. Lefebvre was the head coach there. They were bad. Yeah, so they were bad. Maybe that's a case where he's just better off as a assistant. Hopefully that's the case. Now, Vincent, that hiring excites me. Um, I know people in Winnipeg were disappointed that he left the organization after being there for a decade. You know, it sounds like he is seen as a future head coach. Um, he probably thought that he could not get that in Winnipeg because Paul Maurice is pretty entrenched. Um, he interviewed for the Jackets head coaching position, which is interesting. Uh, obviously he made, he made a good impression there, not for the head coaching job, but as someone to be considered as the assistant, he appeared on the front nationwide podcast last week with Aaron Portsline and Allison Lucan. And, um, I highly recommend that people listen to that interview. Um, they got him to go pretty in depth on a lot of hockey strategy talk. The stuff that he was saying about his philosophy on the power play is stuff that we've been screaming about for years that the Jackets need to be doing and they don't do enough. So uh, I'm excited to see him get a chance to work with these players and see if they can uh, unlock something different. Uh, one of the more interesting, unexpected things in that interview was when he was talking about Roslevic, it sounds like he doesn't love the idea of Roslevic as a center. Like there are things that he thinks he does better on the wing, especially like battling along the boards and, and things like that. Um, so that will be interesting to keep an eye on to see how that impacts Roslevic's deployment. But, um, you know, like with Larson, I'm, you know, I'm willing to give all of these guys a shot. Um, I'm excited that these are outsiders. I know Elaine, you and I had talked about, yeah, the possibility of someone like Vogel Huber getting promoted, but again, with Larson being a holdover, I think it's important to get as many outside voices as possible. People that are new to this organization are bringing different ideas from different organizations and can maybe identify what has been going on wrong here that maybe needs to be fixed going forward. Right. So that's an interesting thing about Roslevic. When you mentioned along the that he likes them along the board for battles, he is really good with battles along the boards. And if you look at a lot of the AAA Blue Jacket players, Kiefer, Cole, Carson, Jared Rosberg, who's on in the AHL, Connor Murphy, Sean Corrali, they're all really good in battles along the boards. So I'm starting to wonder if maybe 
that's in like Ed Ginger's little wheelhouse there where, <laughs> uh, but he is, re- he is really good around, along the boards. I would like to see him as a C though. I feel like he thrives that way, but obviously I'm not coach. So <laughs> doesn't matter what I think. I just write the facts. Well, and, I, and I think the, the front office sees him as a center. Larson probably sees him as a center. So that's just, I just thought it was an interesting observation on, on his part. So, and maybe there's a way to have him play kind of a, a hybrid position that allows him to still play along the boards where he thrives, but also do some of the things they need from the center position. Right. And that's what they do in the AHL a lot. There's a lot of hybrid positions. You see a lot of defenders playing forward for playing defender. You see centers playing wing. So having three AHL tenured coaches as a behind the bench in the NHL, that's something that maybe we'll see in Columbus. I'm kind of hoping. I do like the hybrid thing. It gives you a little bit more flexibility with injuries and and so or if like someone's in a rut, you know you can toss them over to the left wing, you can toss them down a line and they don't get offended. Right. It doesn't hurt their confidence because they're like, well, I still get to play. Because that's what they're that's kind of how they're used to it's not seen as a demotion yeah. because it's already how they're used to playing. Yeah, Vincent was also in the running for the Coyotes head coaching job. I was looking up LaFave because I had seen where Larson was looking for high energy assistance. And when I YouTubed him, LaFave, <laughs> everything that came up on YouTube was all the fights he's been in with guys, even like Eddie Olchek and just all of these guys. So I was like, well, I guess he's got the high energy. So hopefully it translates. And even though it might be random or obscure or whatever word you want to use, um, it is they're they're it's different. I mean, we were kind of wondering if they might go with guys that were maybe quote unquote experienced or whatever. And there was an article in ports or ports lines, recent article over the weekend about how the jackets could look to hire basically a coaching mentor, uh, a guy that would basically be able to, you know, help Larson, help these coaches. Do you think that's something that they might still look to bring in or is is there a specific name that you think they might lead look to in that regard? Yeah, that that's that was something that had surprised me about the hires. I had figured that at least one of the two assistants would be someone with NHL head coaching experience, but I understand that there aren't there aren't maybe many of those guys out there that would be the best possible hires because they would either still be a head coach or not willing to take another assistant job if they're looking if they're holding out for a head coaching job. Um, so I didn't know if someone like a Rick Tockett maybe could have been in the running for that, seeing as he didn't get any of the head coaching jobs this time around. Um, so yeah, that, that surprised me that they went with those guys without that experience. Although interesting that all three of them have been AHL head coaches. So some of that does translate. Um, and yeah, if they want to bring in a guy, I think Portsline mentioned Jacques Martin, Martin as uh, a potential mentor. Yeah, I think that would be worthwhile having in the organization, just someone that Larson could turn to for some insight, someone who has been the NHL head coach before, because there's just no substituting for that kind of experience. Right. I think it's a great idea for any team, even if you have someone who's been around the league for a while, because you have another coach who doesn't really have skin in the game per se, who you can bounce things off. Having that mentor around is a really big deal. The the players have it. They have, you know, they have player developments or they have player personnel. So if there was like a coach or coach development person, 
which could work with all the coaches, not just those three, but even like player development coaches or other assistants, you know, and having like a coach personnel person kind of like they have for player personnel. I think that that would be really good for all NHL teams, not oh. just the jackets. So I like that they're taking this new kind of territory and doing that. And I just want to remind people that Yarmo and JD don't just do things. It, it, you think that it's random, but it's not. Everything they do has meeting and it's been thought out. Whether we think it's been well thought out or not, when you look back on it, how many times have we been like, oh, it set up something even a year from now? So they don't just haphazardly go, oh, we're going to hire this guy just because. <laughs> There's rhyme and reason, and oftentimes we have no clue why, but later on we find out, and we're like, oh, yeah, okay, so that makes sense. <laughs> we'll wrap up with the Stanley Cup final. So Tampa Bay, as of right now, this recording Monday night is 3-0 up on the Canadians. They can wrap up the series tonight. Uh, it's not a question of do you think Tampa Bay will win, but do you think Montreal will actually be able to keep this series alive beyond Monday night, or is this a sweep? PD, what do you think? This this feels like a sweep at this point. Um, none of the games have really been that close this far. Uh, I, I will not, you know, I won't be surprised if Montreal can can salvage a game here and make it a gentleman sweep, but. Yeah, I think the Tampa win is inevitable at this point. And, you know, and I think it's worthy. I think this shows just how much of a, a talent gap there was and an experience gap between these teams. Uh, Tampa's the defending champs for a reason. And they've been playing really well. And they're just, they're great in every facet of the game. So it requires Montreal to play a perfect game and get some bounces in order to have a chance. And, it's just not happening. Um, and, you know, nothing to be ashamed of if you're Montreal. Uh, to get to the final in the first place uh, was a surprise, and it was a great run, and it was earned. It wasn't, it wasn't a fluke thing. I mean, they, they played some really great hockey to, to get to this point, but going up against a team as great and as talented and as deep as Tampa, it just, this is just going to be too much for them to do. Um, and, you know, credit to Tampa. They, you know, I'm always, you know, I should, a lot of times I hate dynasties in sports or I get jealous of them, but I just have to tip my cap to Tampa. And I kind of like seeing Tampa win because they just play so well and they do everything so right. Um, and it's kind of cool to see that level of excellence in action. And it'll be nice to see, you know, if, if they do win uh, for David Savard to get to lift the cup, it'll be well-earned for him. Um, and I saw he was someone who gave comments to the media today about Matisse. And I'm sure that that, it's weighing heavy on him and hopefully he's able to, uh, you know, to play through that and, and have that inspire him and, and, you know, lift the cup for Kibby. Yeah, that's, I think they're sweeping tonight before tonight. I was like, Montreal maybe might be able to keep it going. And then when I saw that Kibby had died, I was like, Oh no, David Savard's going to be a man on a mission because everyone knows in Columbus, the defense and the goaltenders were very, very close so I think uh, he's going to be a man on a mission to stop every single one of those put pucks. He's going to be booty bumping pucks away like he was when he was here. But also, here's the thing. 
we've talked about this before. We talked about this last season when I was still with the Cannon is if people can just prevent Tampa Bay from leaving the neutral zone, if they can trap them in the neutral zone or trap them in the defensive zone, they're going to struggle. They're not going to do as well because they won't be able to do good line changes that allow them to fly down the ice. They're not going to be able to put their burners on all of that. For some reason, Montreal cannot prevent them from leaving the D zone or the neutral zone. And I just think like, I know people make fun of the trap. Mm -hmm. I know they're like, it's so rudimentary. I get it. But if you can execute, if you, if people aren't using a trap, when you finally use it, they're like, Oh crap. Like, Oh no. And they get stuck and they don't know how to get around it because they're not used to seeing it. If any time for Montreal to have unleashed the trap would have been game three and they just let them run through that neutral zone like they were running through a field, like a dog freedom running through a field, all happy. Like that's what they were allowing. So there's no doubt in my mind that Tampa Bay sweeps it. And I think tonight it's not going to be a close game. It's not going to be close. I think it's going to be like five to two. I think Tampa Bay will sweep, so it won't matter. But one thing I was thinking about was if Montreal does send this back to Florida, the tropical storm Elsa factor down in the Gulf. So I don't know. I mean, that would be that would be very on brand for the past two seasons. And did you see what the, the Tampa mayor said? Yeah, the Tampa mayor came out and said that she hopes that Montreal wins tonight so that Tampa can win at home during during a hurricane. Well, she didn't. I didn't mention she didn't mention the storm, but uh, but but I mean, (laughs) there was controversy because, you know, Canada was not going to let in family of the team and the staff to get up and celebrate. So it would be the second straight year that they'd be celebrating a win without their family right there at the arena. So uh, but again, I I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to close it out. Yeah, I think so too. I think that I just want to see David Savard yeah. win the, yeah, that's, the cup that's with a, his beard. Yeah, we're kind of uh you know, the blue or not the blue jackets, but yeah, the fan base can kind of take some solace in the fact that one of the former blue jackets, either in Josh Anderson or David Savard, was going to win. So that's something. So uh yeah, so I think the lightning will go ahead and close that series out and then we'll really be in the middle of all the off season headlines to come. I, I know that we have, or, and other people have said things about Aaron Port's line, but I really, really, really want to give him credit for how he handled mm-hmm. today and Kev Lennox. That could have been so much worse. It could have been so perverse. It could have been so, so over information. He did the digging. He talked to so many people. If people are wanting to be a sports journalist or any sort of journalist, and they want to know how to cover a tragedy like this, look at how Portsline handled this one because he did everything right. And I just, I feel like a lot of times he gets dragged, he gets drug, dragged, what his, <laughs> and I think now is the time for people to recognize that in this situation, he did a really good job. And I know that we're the canon, not the athletic, and promote, you know, promoting other blogs and sites, but 
I think it's a good thing for even the random person. Like I'm sure he knows more, much more than is out there, but there are things you shouldn't talk about or don't need to, or need to have confirmed. And he's doing it all correctly. And I just, yeah, he, he, he didn't tweet out any of the rumors. He only reported on stuff that he could confirm. And, and that's, that's hard to do when there's a story like this. And yeah, I, th- I thought he handled it re- well. Um, I know for my part, you know, I put up a post on the site this morning and it was really hard to know, okay, what's the right way to word this and what information do I want to include? You know, you don't want to say too much. You don't want to say too little. Um, you know, you want to get it up t- in a timely fashion, but you don't want to rush it. And it's, it's all, it's, you know, it's hard to be prepared for a situation like this. Um, and yeah, yeah, I think you're right. The ports line handled it well. That was a good thing to to definitely mention. I'm yeah. glad you did. Uh, and just, uh, thank you, Elaine, for for joining us this week and giving your insight on on Matisse and on the AHL coaches. We really appreciate that. You're welcome. I just feel like there's going to be a lot of things that fly around, and people need to know from people that knew him what he was like. And also, I'm tired of NHL people telling me how AHL coaches coach, and they don't actually freaking know. <laughs> so. I want to make sure that people know how these coaches are because we've played against the monsters have played against them. I covered the Pacific championship this year. So we know what they bring to the table. So get your AHL news <laughs> from AHL people. Okay. Oh yeah. Also. Oh, I guess I should say also you can follow. <laughs> I all, I don't write at the cannon anymore in case anyone's been living under a rock, <laughs> but I uh, write for a site called full press coverage. Uh, fullpresshockey.com so you can find my monster stuff there and i i think pale dragon will hopefully be getting someone to cover the monsters for the canon this season yeah correct yeah josh is up there in cleveland he'll be he'll be providing some coverage from the monsters as well yeah good good because there needs to be more monsters coverage yeah maybe he can be joining the beat reporter family i have created there well and elaine you can always you can always pop on in the future and help talk about cleveland or ahl or lend some insight as well always thanks again for hopping on lending some insight sharing some stories definitely appreciate that and that will do it for us this week follow us at cbj cannon on twitter and facebook at jacketscannon.com we are putting up more off-season content every day so be sure to check that out and we'll see you all next week Subscribe to the Canon Cast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can catch every episode. Leave us a review and a rating. And as always, we welcome your thoughts and feedback. Go to jacketscanon.com for more Blue Jackets coverage from us and follow us on Twitter at CBJ Cannon. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Pearlie and the Howler Moons. Check out angelapearlie.com for more music and show dates.